0: Thank you for tuning in this week's guest on the podcast is the lovely kaylee gray who is a nutritionist an author a speaker a coach and someone who i personally find so inspiring and i'm really excited to learn from today so thank you so much for joining me today kaylee it's such a pleasure to have you on the show
1: oh you are a delight thank you for that beautiful introduction shana and thank you so much for having me here
0: You are so welcome. Let's get started by talking a little bit about how you got interested in the health and nutrition space.
1: I was really excited to listen to your first episode on your podcast, which was wonderful, by the way. And I heard your nutrition journey starting at the same point as mine did, which was an interest in vegetarianism. I think the only difference for me was that I was eight years old, a oh, very wow. little, little girl. I was so young. Yes. And I told my mom that I wasn't going to be eating animals anymore. Bless her. Her response was that she would support me in that, but that I had to learn about how to balance my diet if I wasn't getting iron from meat, etc. So I guess you could say, yeah, my love of nutrition is almost 30 years now. Okay. But... <laughs> I think some of us are like, we're hardwired for this space, right? Yeah. That really deep passion and interest. um, It's been such a driving force my entire life, really. Yeah. But uh, professionally speaking, I studied a Bachelor of Nutrition and Dietetics and finished almost 10 years ago now. I've worked in so many different spaces, as have you, most recently arriving at my business three years ago. So I, I love business. It's a new challenge every day and I'm by no means an expert or perfect, but I'm totally happy to share what I've learned and, you know, hopefully help some of your listeners uh, avoid some of the mistakes and silly stuff I've done along the way too.
0: <laughs> it's all part of the journey though. <laughs> well, yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. At the time you're like, oh, why do I have to go through this? But that's all right. worth it in the end because we end up learning so much along the way.
1: Absolutely. And the reward of getting to do work that you love and that feels really on purpose, for me, that's the trade-off that, and the payoff that makes it worthwhile too.
0: Yeah, amazing. I love the way that started your journey on the nutrition path and what a legend your mum is for telling you to learn about your diet at such a young age too. <laughs>
1: Like we used to go in for yearly blood tests and she'd help me learn how to, you know, interpret my iron studies and explain what different foods or supplements we would need to do. She, I mean, she was and is an amazing mom and definitely a big part of why I'm so interested in food and nutrition today.
0: Yeah, incredible. So when you did decide to do it as a career, tell us a little bit about where you studied and how your career evolved from there. Sure thing. So I studied locally here on the Sunshine
1: Coast at the University of the Sunshine Coast. Mm. And I actually, I found the degree really challenging. I took a little break at the three and a half year mark just before prac Mm. and went off to South America and did some travel for a while and just found myself as a young adult, which I'm actually really pleased I made that space to do before entering the clinical workforce, which was so rewarding. Like those first two years working clinically full time, mm-hmm. um, was such a massive growth curve. Like you, you graduate with a degree, thinking at the time that you might know a bit, but it's it's you've barely skimmed the the top of the iceberg in terms of um, what you will know as your career progresses. So I found those first two years pretty overwhelming, but also really exciting. Yeah. Um, but also go a little bit burnt out. I, I don't have the capacity to work full-time with patients. I have a big heart and I just can't put up those boundaries um, with full-time work. So I left there. I've worked um, in the health food industry. I've had business marketing and communications roles, uh, always within the health space. And I think that that was what kind of got me interested and gave me a really good skills foundation business-wise to then take my clinical expertise, combine it with my business skills and work clinically in a way and a paradigm that really works for me.
0: Yeah, incredible. And so what were some of those roles that you had and what would have been the main things you took away from them? So obviously there's those business skills, which are fantastic. Is there anything in particular or a specific job you did try that you found was really beneficial on your journey?
1: Absolutely. So I I had a, um, what did they call me? I was a dietitian and media coordinator role for a large health food group. Who's no longer, they've they've went bust a few years ago, but they um, did have some big stores back then. And so that was my first foray into social media and they were so generous. They really invested in the, the marketing team and this is, I don't know, back Back in 2014-ish when Facebook and Instagram were only just taking off. So it was good to to certainly have that training and to learn how email funnels work and CRM and, you know, all these gobbledygook words that you certainly don't learn in a nutrition degree, but it's so important if your business is online. true. Um, Yeah, I also had... 18 months working with Food Matters, which obviously is an, an enormous online global brand. Yeah. Um, it's such a talented, skilled team, and they taught me to uh, think creatively, to be of service, to uh, to know your customer, and to create products and be agile and be constantly moving. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a perfectionist, so I often am too slow, and they taught me that you know you've got to you know keep your finger on the pulse and be current and yeah, it was just a really exciting environment there. Learned lots in that role. Um, What else? I think those are the main sort of
0: touch points of my career until now. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. I love Food Matters. I think they're such a cool company and doing such amazing things in the industry. What were you doing? What role did you have while you were there? I was a writer. Oh, so I did.
1: Yeah, I did a lot of their creative content, worked on some of their books and ebooks, their email funnels and things, yeah. Mm. So I love writing. I've um, invested a lot uh, in, formally in terms of, you know, writing courses and copywriting courses. Um, and and I guess that was a, a, a writing school, that job, in many respects too, because they're, mm. um, they're, they're a juggernaut. They're a huge company, lots of content going out. So yeah. I also had to learn to write really quickly.
0: <laughs> I bet. <laughs> It was awesome. They are great. Yeah, that would have been amazing. Um, so speaking of writing courses and things you've done to grow your skills, are there any you recommend or is there anywhere that you'd suggest people start to look if they are looking to go down the writing path and do want to build up that, that skill set?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think the Copy Cure by Marie Folio is fantastic. Yeah. You've done it
0: too. You're looking at me like you know. <laughs> I've done the um like the free videos she does in a lead up when she releases Copy Cure and B School. I've done all her like um free ones, but I've never actually done the course itself, but it looks amazing and like even the free content is so valuable. She's so generous uh, mm-hmm. and
1: even just subscribing to her blogs. I mean, I've heard you reference her work on your podcast before. Yeah. Uh, For anyone who's interested in business and particularly leveraging your business online, her work is incredible. But I can I can certainly attest I've done B School and I've done the copy cure. And they are expensive, but unlike some online resources that charge high end, she actually totally delivers and it was worth every US dollar. Actually it's gonna say (laughs) but it's like the conversion kind of kills us. it. was worth
0: it. Amazing. That's a really good resource. Great tip there. Um, So you yourself are a writer and you've written your own book. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, boy.
1: (laughs) I I grew up creatively writing. I was such a nerd at school. I used to spend my school holidays sitting at a computer writing sci-fi and fantasy. I still do on my weekends. I love creative writing just for pleasure but I I invested in a wonderful business coach two years ago and last year she told me you know there's this thing you've got to do to leverage your business and it's to write a book Kaylee and I'm like I'm stretched to capacity I can't possibly fit this in I'm already like on the verge of burning out Mm -hmm. and she's like no books are really powerful leveraging tools for um yeah, just taking up leveling your business. And you've always, you've told me you want to write one. So now you've actually got to just write one, Kaylee. So (laughs) we broke it down because I was very overwhelmed with the whole process and lots of first time writers are. Yeah, And I probably had three to six months of mapping out and planning the book, Mm -hmm. three solid months of writing, and then the editing, publishing, uh, typesetting, yada, 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 all the extra five gazillion steps that you have to do on top of actually writing the thing yeah. uh, that probably takes yeah. another three to six months as well so uh, long story short I got a very good coach who was both my cheerleader and an expert to guide me through that process um, it didn't just fall in my lap and I don't know that I would have done it otherwise <laughs>
0: yeah there's so much involved in books and I'm always so impressed by people who do put in that effort and commit to it and get it out there so well done and I'm sure it feels so good to have it out in the world thank you thank you so much it's it's
1: the book that I really wish that I had read when I was 15 I I'm very open in my business that I had an eating disorder it's uh a a, a topic, a clinical subject that's super near and dear to my heart. Mm. And so I feel like it was a way of just giving back into that space as well. So yeah, it does feel good. And it's like most big goals, right? They often do hurt and require some sacrifice and some tough slog when you're in it, but it does
0: make it more rewarding on the other side absolutely yeah and so with that book did you self-publish or did you find a publisher or what was that process like yes
1: i i self-published for my first one because my business coach was like you just need to get it out into the world and this is the fastest route of doing so (laughs) so um you know for anyone who's interested in knowing a little bit of the difference self-publishing um it is a faster route, but it is expensive. It's, it's quite a bit more expensive than I first realized as well. So, um, you know, without being a Debbie Downer on it, it's not that you're trying to make money from selling the books specifically. It's a leveraging and positioning tool for, um, position, positioning yourself in the market to sell other products and services. Yeah. Um, then, But this year, I'm, I, I am working on a book proposal at the moment to, um, hopefully, fingers crossed, be published externally. So, uh, yeah, I'll come back to you and let you know which one's better after the fact.
0: <laughs> Presumably, I can get a pitch through. <laughs> yeah, we'll have a part two. <laughs> yeah, part two. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Amazing. Um, and so what's the topic of this one that you're pitching now? Because the first one was body confidence. Is this one along the similar lines?
1: Completely different. Um, I have two quite disparate areas of my company. So, one half is body confidence, the non diet approach, helping people with their mindset around food. The other half of my business is corporate well being and mm-hmm. helping teams and people prevent burnout and feel their best. So, this is around how to have energy and balance in high performing executive spaces.
0: Brilliant. Such a great topic to be writing about.
1: It's so needed to everyone's in a pressure cooker in their work and economic environment at the moment. So uh, yeah, I think the the time is right to write it.
0: Definitely, especially when everyone is very much in that kind of hustle mentality and being pushed to produce more and work harder. Whereas it's more about working smarter and taking care of yourself. And I think it's so important that people like you are going in and teaching people, this is how you can take care of yourself so you can achieve what you want to achieve and not burn yourself into the ground.
1: Absolutely because I mean sometimes we can do it with the very best of intentions too, right? We're passionate and we're just trying to protect ourselves and you know, keep food on the table for our families But you're 100% correct. It's a false economy and we end up um, not having anything left to give. So 100% agree.
0: Yeah, amazing. Well, I look forward to watching that progress and hearing about how you go with all that. Um, so tell us a little bit more about how you do work with corporate clients. So I have a few different
1: offers and modes in which I work. Mm-hmm. The most common mode of delivery is running either workshops or programs within organizations. So there is increasing awareness and loads more research coming out within H, particularly HR departments that employee well-being is actually really fiscally important for a company. Yeah. It's also just nicer to be around teams and employees <laughs> who are happy and well as well but we know that uh, well-being is really closely associated with performance and productivity yeah. and so uh, so there's, a, there's a, a bigger appetite in the market out there for well-being programs at the moment. So I mean, I've got some clients whom I just come in over a lunch and learn workshop and do, you know, a little one hour session. And then I've got retailers, for example, whom I do weekly sessions with. So I I tailor that depending on the industry and the client and how much support they want. And um, further to that, I also do one-on-one coaching for people who want help with burnout and their well-being and demanding roles particularly women i find women who are doing the juggle with families and and careers
0: yeah man those
1: ladies are amazing can i just say i'm not a mum myself but i just tip my hats to them yeah it's
0: very impressive (laughs) it is isn't it so yeah uh, yeah, that does that is that helpful explanation yeah that makes a lot of sense and so the one-on-one coaching do you follow a similar like program format or is it just um you see what comes up in each session right
1: question so i've written an like online program that complements it and i very much started out my coaching packages with the view that you would follow that kind of template however in actual practice what i find is that most people particularly busy overwhelmed people just want answers and a tailored catered response so the real juice and magic i think is in the one-on-one sessions
0: yeah Brilliant. and so how often do you have consults with them is it a weekly or a fortnightly or it varies person to person totally varies so my smallest package is a
1: six-week package I've got my biggest package is a six-month one um, but it's kind of a create your own adventure within that I, I do try and accommodate uh, what, what they need really
0: yeah amazing I love that cool and so do you do a similar sort of thing with the body confidence side of your business as well
1: exactly my lovely yeah. <laughs> the only difference being is that um outside of covid i typically run it as a group program as well okay. my the reason for that is that when it comes to disordered eating and weight anxieties i really get the sense that people carry a lot of shame mm. about it yeah. and feel like they're the only ones who are failing with food or deeply struggling and so running it in a group program I, I love that because women get to see themselves and others yeah. and feel like they're not so broken or weird or alone with that. So, I am trying to think of how to transition it uh, into a group program online at the moment, but traditionally I've, I've
0: held it in person. Oh, cool. And how do you go about finding clients for both of those? Is it a different approach based on the body confidence side and the non diet approach and then the executive side of it, or is it similar?
1: yeah absolutely yep different strategies for different markets and different offers 100 yep. uh so most of my corporate well-being i'm just trying to think of how to break this down so i'm very very active on linkedin yep I, have, I um, <laughs> <laughs> do a lot of reaching out and relationship building and outside of covid i do a lot of networking um you know at places like re events and uh there's a all these different corporate wellbeing forums that you can go to. And I think if you go in with the intention of just being kind and open and interested in people rather than trying to force, I've always found that's the best approach. You might not get an inquiry or a sale straight away, but you're just planting those seeds. And that's something I certainly wish I'd known earlier on in my career because it can feel so so frustrating, beg your pardon, when you're in those early days of, hustling and pushing and feeling like you know there's no inquiries in my inbox yet why what's wrong with me it's like oh no there's nothing wrong with you these things just do take time um so that's the corporate side with the body confidence side I'm certainly a lot softer with that I don't um I've certainly had it recommended to me that I should reach out to like people on Instagram and stuff and I just feel like it's too sensitive to be so much more I'm not gonna say like offensive not in the way we'd usually typically think of that but like on the front foot like going trying to think of a better word to articulate this I don't want to be in people's faces about it so a lot of my clients actually come through my blog and email database and they've been reading my work and um building that trust for some time
0: Yeah, I suppose it shows that importance of putting yourself out there and being online, being there for when people are ready to approach you. That's exactly right. I think it's
1: the data keeps changing and it's so rapid in our technological world. But the last metric I'd come across was that it takes about 10 touch points online, so either 10 blogs, 10 social media posts, 10 interactions of some nature before somebody has enough trust to um, consider buying your services.
0: Yeah. And it
1: didn't used to be that high. So. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose the more that's out there, the more touch points it's going to take over time. So it's yeah, good to be yeah. out there in the way that you are. Yeah.
1: Thank you and likewise <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you um so I just thought of a question about how long have you actually been in business because it sounds like you're very well established and you're doing amazing things and you have all these programs was it I'm sure it's been a bit of a journey to get to this point and um yeah how long ago did you start your business
1: oh man I'm laughing because like there's just been so many big flops and failures far. <laughs> <laughs> I, how old was I? I was 26, I believe. So I'm 33 now, 26. So six years ago, no, seven years ago, my math is terrible. Seven years ago, I went in partnership with an exercise physiologist and tried. we tried to do our own business, completely flopped. And much like I was working a full-time job on the side then, and it was so much work. And significant money for where i was financially at that point in time and i was so devastated and it took a while to recover from that and Mm. to have that fire and energy to consider something again and so I, i i ended up working for other companies and other clinics but always deep down knew that i think knew if i was really honest with myself that at some point i would go back to my own thing yeah Um, and I, so that was three, four years, yeah, three, three and a bit years ago that my food culture started, but yeah, realistically I've been building skills and having a crack in the business space for seven years now.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's very impressive. And what you have built with my food culture in the past three and four years is amazing.
1: Thank you. That's really beautiful to hear when you're on the inside of your business, uh, it's very easy to be self-critical and it's funny, it doesn't matter how, how well things are going, I can always find a reason to be really hard on myself and I think that's true of many, many of us. So I, I really appreciate you saying that. Thank you. <laughs>
0: You're so welcome and I think when we're in it, we don't realise how much progress we're actually making. So like me looking in at how many amazing things you've got going on, I see all that hard work, whereas you've been chipping away at it. So sometimes it doesn't feel as like as big steps as it would look on the outside but yeah you've done an amazing job and definitely deserves to be acknowledged
1: <laughs> oh thank you you've made my day shana <laughs> Work too i mean you're you're juggling lots of different balls and in quite diverse spaces too so yeah. <laughs> very impressive as well and i i can just see your love and passion and big heart of service that it takes to be doing all of that so well oh, done. Thank you. I really appreciate
0: it. Um, so, tell us a little bit about what a day in your business looks like, or a week if that's easier, because I know there's no typical day and <laughs> it can be one of those questions like, oh, it all changes. But yeah, what does a week look like for you? So,
1: a week um, can be quite diverse, quite often. So, I do a lot of work in resources, mining, construction, uh, with oil and gas. And um, luckily, a lot of that work still still been within Queensland, so I've been able to travel for that. Mm-hmm. So one week a month, I'm on the road and doing twelve hour days of program delivery. So I wake up, I eat, I work, I go to bed, I sleep. I try to squeeze in eight hours before I've got to be up at four thirty the next day. Oh, wow, are so massive weeks. And I do schedule in some recovery time when I get back from being out there.
0: Yeah, good
1: yeah it's so it's so needed um i love it but yeah there's there is a need for some relaxation and um, unwinding after big intensive work blocks like that yeah. when i'm at home i uh, i do have a cadence to my week that i follow so i wake up reasonably early and without an alarm clock i um i'm also open about the fact that i have an immune condition That makes me really value my sleep, and so if my body, if I'm I'm symptomatic and I have symptoms that I want to get on top of, I will allow myself to sleep in if I need to. And for that reason, I schedule in my coaching clients later in the evening as well. And maybe in terms of why is that relevant to anyone listening is to know that you can kind of create business on your terms as well. So I used to just bend over backward to the first request that came in from. um, coaching client and I have a lot of coaching clients internationally too with time zone differences you can imagine it gets kind of tricky sometimes mm-hmm. and yeah about six months ago I was like hang on no mm-hmm. <laughs> there's got to be a bit of like meeting each other in the middle particularly if you work in the health and well-being space because you have to be looking after yourself to to have the energy to be lifting other people up right definitely so I'm sorry, I've gone off on a million tangents already, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I prioritise sleep. I move my body most days yep. and I work with an exercise physiologist who gives me a few options that I can kind of tailor to depending on how my body's feeling on that day. So it might be cardio, it might be train, weight training, or it might just be some nice gentle yoga. That's what my body's calling for. Yep. Yep. And then the third thing in my morning is I just prioritise really nutrient dense food to start my day. I'm a massive fan of juicing. It's a 15 minute pain in the ass job, but it does make me feel better. So I do try and add in as well.
0: Oh, that's great. Yeah. And how about your business roles when you're not on the road with those 12 hour days? Um, You've got your coaching clients more towards the evening. Is there some like, um, I see you put out a lot of content as well and obviously as a writer I'm sure you're writing in there too how do you fit all that and yeah make all the pieces of the puzzle fit together (laughs) oh
1: beautiful question and let me just first be honest in saying that I don't perfectly fit all the pieces together (laughs) (laughs) like it's it's a um it's a constant I don't want to say challenge cause that sounds negative, but it's something that I'm always working on, on how can I make things more productive, more streamlined, more efficient, and there's always room for me to grow and improve there. Um, but I find it helpful to kind of, a couple of things to manage that. I have a cadence to my week where um, I have a day where I'm focusing on thinking, which is my creative day. So I've got a system where I take a piece of IP, an idea that I'm thinking on and from that one piece of IP I'll create my blog I might write a chapter from my book on that I'll repurpose and take out some quotes or some social media posts so I'm trying to work smart by creating once but repurposing often from that because social media and blogs can just be such a time vacuum Otherwise, <laughs> so, I mean, oh, my gosh. It's been a whole week just doing a blog, really. If you, if you get in it. Um, and then I have um, two delivery days a week with coaching. So I coach on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Yep. Um, my corporate wellbeing programs are very flexible depending on what the client needs. Yep. And then I've got my admin day on a Wednesday as well. So yeah. keeping somewhat of a structure means that, for me, A, there's variety in a week, but I also know that I'm kind of looking after the key parts of my business to keep things rolling.
0: Yeah, that's great. I love how you block it out like that. And I love that you have the thinking day. I think that's such a cool concept and a great way to really repurpose and make sure you're making the most of each idea rather than working harder. You are really working smarter, which is fantastic.
1: Thank you. It's so much easier said than done, isn't it? Like, you <laughs> get to a point where your sanity d- depends on it. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> um, and within your business, you have an assistant. At what point did you bring on someone to help you, um, yeah, help keep everything organized? Oh. Too late is the first <laughs>
1: answer for that. Uh, I wish I'd gotten Georgie on board sooner. There's been some ease and flows to the business over the last three years. So we actually started out in events and um, that that's a long story in itself. But at that time, I was working with chefs and sommeliers and beer makers, creating these beautiful food events and cooking experiences for Quite large audiences, and so I needed a full team behind me then, quite early in the piece, to do those. Yeah. Um, but then I, I got burnt out doing events—sixteen-hour days, six, seven days a week. Like I just, like my, my health couldn't keep up with it. So I really pared back that side of the business. Let I guess those those people on to do other opportunities, and well as well, unfortunately. But. Um, it kind of took me a good 12, 18 months to rebuild the other sides of the business with coaching and corporate well-being on my own. And then when I was struggling to keep on top of all the background tasks as well as with delivery, mm-hmm. that's when I knew I was in trouble and needed help. Um, and I was, I was probably a bit too overwhelmed by the time I got Georgie on board because I was in that rock and a hard place of being like, I'm so busy that I'm actually too busy to train you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a good positive problem to have. And we got through it and she's amazing. But um,
0: yeah. yeah,
1: I think um, if you're not particularly, if you're too busy to get to the business tasks that get you sales and new clients, you do need support on board for that because the trap that we can fall into and that I've fallen into in the past is that you're so busy delivering on a coaching program or a new corporate program or whatever your service or product might be that you've forgotten to focus on filling the pipeline of sales to come through once you've finished that cycle. Yep. Uh, so yeah.
0: Yeah. no, I think it can be one of those things that we're often so reluctant to get that, a staff member or get that help or assistant for even a few hours a week but it can be so valuable especially when we are stuck in the busy work of the business and not getting to those sales activities or not being able to keep up um yeah and as you mentioned earlier it's so important to be taking care of your health too so when you're trying to do all these different things yeah it's great that you did take that plunge and i'm sure you haven't looked back since <laughs>
1: Oh, I love that i wish i'd had it earlier yeah. And it's like you know that's such a beautiful point you injected in there of just looking after your own well-being along that i loved that in one of the episodes that i listened to you yeah. talked about how when you're focusing on your health and well-being you use your stress levels as a metric that you focus on on a daily basis i'm like wow that's so true it's this intangible thing that makes such a big difference to our health and happiness at the end of each day and uh, yeah if you're overwhelmed and overly stretched in your business that's definitely going to increase your stress
0: (laughs) yeah absolutely amazing so what do you say what would you say are some skills that are necessary for anyone who does want to go down a similar career pathway and build their own business like you have Mm
1: i think the best skill that you can have as a new graduate nutritionist or um anybody really working in the health and wellness space is to develop the skill of having a will to learn new skills Mm -hmm. and so what i mean by that is that there's going to be a lot that you don't know with business and that's always going to be the case particularly because things are changing and evolving so much but If you can develop the resilience to go, you know what, I'm going to either figure out a way to do this, I'm going to have a crack, I'm going to be prepared to fail, I'm going to still do my best, and to really adopt that growth mindset, I think that's fundamental because it will give you the psychological apparatus to find solutions. So, I mean, I could give you specific courses or apps or books, but they might be outdated in two years from now when people are tuning in to all the episodes. I really, it sounds cliche, but I really in my heart of hearts believe that it's your your mindset, which is the biggest thing that will make or break you in this business.
0: Yes, I'm so glad you said that because mindset really comes back. It all comes back to mindset and having that, a good mindset and that positive growth mindset is so important. And I can see behind your head, actually, the book mindset is like looking at me as I say this. <laughs> 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 that's <a good> <laughs> oh, it is too. Oh,
1: that's so funny. I, was like, Hold on, I recognise that book cover that says mindset. the you listeners. You've yes. got a to read <laughs> <laughs> it a anyway,
0: sign. Our mindset is integral and I've heard the saying that Our business is a reflection of us. So based on the mindset we have and what we think is possible for ourselves and our business is the results we're going to get back within our business. So, yeah, very important point you've touched on there. Oh, thank you. (laughs) And what would you say is the right kind of mindset for us to have as nutritionists and practitioners to succeed in business?
1: Oh, good, juicy question. I'm I'm going to go a little bit left field with this one, with an observation, and this is probably more specific to dietitians and colleagues that I've um, perhaps in more clinical settings, where I get this sense that new dietitians can be a little bit jaded about how hard it is to get business up and going, and they look online and see Instagram and social media and think you know there's all these people making it look easy and stuff, but I really feel like we We need to, we need to elevate as a profession and be more competitive, get on social media, create your own YouTube channel, fill it with evidence-based information. If that's your personal drive, that's upsetting you, but get in, get in amongst the game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So good. Um,
1: I answer that question I feel it like it's a little left
0: field but yeah yeah I think it is so relevant and so important because yeah it can be easy to sit back and just watch what other people are doing or be annoyed that there's people without qualifications promoting certain things um, but it's so beneficial to get in there get in that arena and start being like okay this is my opinion this is how I can help rather than yeah just looking around at what other people are doing
1: yeah that Otherwise, that comparison comparisonitis can be so stifling and such a barrier yeah. To, um, to, yeah, to offering your gifts to the world.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and so what is your vision for your business? <laughs> I've got so many visions and goals,
1: <laughs> coming up with ideas isn't my problem, executing them all is, however, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mentioned earlier that I'm working on a book proposal for to, to pitch out to publishers. I've heard that there will be, you know, lots and lots of rejections along the road. So. Um, um, that's gonna be a super fun process. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I like I mentioned to you I'd love to have my body confidence coaching course um, online and I'm trying to figure out a way to do that that still has some intimacy and humanity still intact with it as well and I know there's lots of people who do this beautifully so there must be a way to figure it out Um, and I've also applied to do my master's of positive psychology next year so I guess that's not a paid business venture but I'm really excited to sink my teeth into uh yeah a new skill set and to
0: learn yeah and the best investment is the investment we make in ourselves and the growth and the skills you'll obtain from that will benefit all areas of your life as well as your business
1: it's a bit of a selfish degree to do isn't it (laughs) (laughs) it's a self-development program at the same time (laughs) yeah it's amazing Yet, mind you, but the
0: applications there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. And so, what does success mean to you? I have been
1: thinking deeply about this question, and I, I don't want to be trite in my answer because I think success means different things to different people. Absolutely. For me, when I feel like I've had a successful day, a successful week, month, or year. I feel like I've lived in integrity with my values yeah. and my values at the, at the end of the day aren't to make a million dollars. They aren't to be a high profile influencer. My, my values are all around kindness and contribution and connection and love and the people in my life. So if I'm taking action and living in a way that honors those things that I deeply care about, that might not look like anything really cool or exciting or sexy on Instagram or to anyone around me, but it feels really deeply fulfilling for me. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's small things. It's not the big stuff that feels like success to me.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. I really like that. Thank you. <laughs> and what would you attribute your success to to date?
1: Ooh. Oh, I, I think there's an element of grace and luck. So I am a really hard worker. I've worked my butt off, but I've, I've kind of worked my butt off at times when luck and provenance has come along as well. So I, w- I want to acknowledge that. But I think maybe one of my other successful attributes is that I'm willing to do the uncomfortable stuff that a lot of other people aren't willing to do. No. Like I, I could give you a million examples, but the first one that springs to mind is the amount of cold calls I did when I was first starting to do my corporate uh, health services. Yep. I hate selling. A cold call mm-hmm. to me is more petrifying than bungee jumping or just about any <laughs> physical threat to my. You know, I stood just about being tears before doing them, and I got, I think I got thirty-five hard nose before my first sales meeting from those cold calls. So. Yeah. Being prepared to do the stuff you're scared of, even though you're terribly scared, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think is a a helpful attribute to have if you're wanting to progress your business because progress is on the other side of your comfort zone.
0: Yeah. Wow. And do you have any tips if anyone did want to try cold calling to find clients? It
1: hasn't been a terribly successful strategy for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. So maybe <laughs> <did you> <laughs> <do>. <laughs> I've, I've found, so my best, I guess, um, my best sales conversions happen when I've had a, a touch point in person with somebody. So for the first three years of my business, I probably did 200 free speaking engagements. I spoke at churches. I spoke at gyms. I spoke at, um, You know, I even spoke and paid sort of conferences for free and stuff just to get in front of audiences. Mm -hmm. And I did everything that I could to secure an email or uh, uh, a phone number. Yeah. Which typically if you're speaking and offering your services and pitching this way, you offer a a downloadable resource and they've got to fill in a form and exchange. And so if I could secure a phone call from uh, a speaking engagement that's coldish, but it's not a 100% cold. Yeah. Um, yeah, to me, cold calling is the very, very bottom of the barrel when you've got no other options, which I felt like I didn't when I was starting out. Yeah, no. you yeah. do it as a bravery um, exercise, <laughs> if nothing else. <laughs> Build so, up into nose. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah definitely and so have you always been comfortable speaking in front of crowds or is that something that you built up
1: no i i grew up as a dancer and lots and lots of musical theater i love being on stages i'm terribly introverted if you met me at a party i'm the person in the corner trying not to make eye contact and like (laughs) waiting for the first minute when i can escape that room I'm, yeah, I find it really nerve-wracking talking to people like one-on-one. It's, yeah. it's far more intimidating for me than if I'm on a stage, I'm in my bubble and yeah. it really energises me being in front of an audience.
0: Yeah, oh, it's fantastic. I, I had
1: coaching as well. Absolutely. I didn't just go into it um, and ask for money without having that, that experience that comes from doing all those free speaking engagements, but mm-hmm. also having some coaching in that space as well.
0: Yeah. And what sort of um, do you have like a main takeaway or tip for everyone today based on what came from that coaching and or would you say that's something you recommend people do to go get coaching if they are interested in presenting and speaking in front of groups?
1: And so both, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Get some coaching if you can, um, it will, it will, it's profoundly helpful. And having um, your speaking engagements filmed and, you know, being able to look at yourself back is, is also confronting, but also really helpful. Yeah. Uh, a couple of maybe some three top tips that I think about is uh, modulating a voice pitch. So mm-hmm. when you're nervous, you're, um, Vocal cords constrict and you go squeaky. <laughs> um, which uh, makes you sound nervous and it's not nice to listen to. So deepening your voice, breathing really diaphragmatically from your belly. Yep. You've got to be also really extra when you're on stage. So it, like you, if you were talking in person the way that I would talk on stage, you'd be like, oh, my gosh, she's hyperactive. <laughs> but... It, it, your presence is really filtered and diminished to the audience. So you've got to to keep their attention. You've got to, yeah, be loud, be soft, move around, be energised. Mm-hmm. And the third thing is to not have text on your slides. If you look at the best professional speakers around Australia, they might have some diagrams and models that contain text, but then never reading bullet points. So you've got to learn to story tell. And that means being exceptionally confident in your content as well in order to do that.
0: Yeah, wow, that's amazing. Such good advice there. Well, I hope it's helpful. And I understand it might be
1: a little bit um, intimidating to hear that at first, but that's, that's the, if, if speaking calls to you, um, those are worthwhile skills developing.
0: Yeah, and it's great to build up to that even, even if it's not the first presentation you do, you do have some words and then slowly you get rid of those words over time. And yeah, it's all a work in progress, isn't it? That's so true. Oh, my gosh, Shanna, it would be so cruel
1: to stuck to stick a first-time speaker up on stage without words and things and expect them to do all of that. You'd be traumatised. You'd never go back. <laughs> So that's such a good point you raised. Yeah, absolutely. Baby steps towards it.
0: Yeah, brilliant. I think we've pretty much gone over everything I wanted to ask you today. So is there anything that we haven't discussed that you would like to bring up and tell the listeners today or any parting words of wisdom for them?
1: There's one quote that I constantly remind myself of when I feel really stuck or defeated in business, which happens a lot still. I, like I said, I'm not perfect. I still struggle through this as well. You know, the, the challenges three years into your business, they're different, but they're still challenges. Um, they're, sorry, they're different to the challenges you have at the start, but there's still always challenges. But, and apologies if I muck up this attribution, I think it's Jeff um, Bezos who said that Great overnight successes happen in 10 years. <laughs> so <laughs> and it's just that reminder again to to stop comparing as, as understandably tempting as it is to to shine your own light, to offer your gifts to the world and to know that it's okay for good things to take time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's no such thing as an overnight success, is there really? <laughs>
1: really isn't they might look like they're an overnight success but there's been a lot of back work behind the scenes to get them
0: there so yeah absolutely amazing and so where can the listeners follow along with your journey and get to know you more and see all of these amazing things that you are doing
1: Thank you for asking Shana. It depends on what they're interested in. If they're looking for some inspiration around how you can position yourself in the corporate space, LinkedIn would be the best space. So it's just Kaylee Gray over on LinkedIn. You can connect with me there. I'd love to meet you. Um, If you're interested in the body confidence work I do, then that's Instagram where I hang out and check out that. And if you'd like the email newsletter, which is a blend of really everything, including probably too much of an overshare on my weekly thoughts <laughs> at my website, which is myfoodculture.com.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much for joining me today, Kaylee. It's been such a pleasure. Oh, it's been such a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Shana. You're welcome. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. I feel like I gained so much valuable insight and advice from it, and I hope you agree. If you did enjoy this episode, please leave me a review and tell me what you think. I would love to hear your feedback. Do you know anyone else that this episode can benefit? I would be so grateful if you share it with them. That way, they too can benefit from all of the insight that we covered today. Your support means so much to me, and together we can help even more people build a career and a life that they love. Thank you for being here. Until next time, keep making your dreams a reality.